Hello, and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 78. We are getting up there. 78 years of podcasts. I'm your host, Em. With me is my regular co-host, Jackson. I'm regular. Oh, uh, are you regular? I guess that's good. Have you drank a lot of water, eaten a lot of fiber? Um, yeah, I've, you've done that joke before. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> but every time you say I'm regular, that's what I think of. <laughs> it's not even that. me doing a joke, it's just where my brain goes. <laughs> just like a reflex? <laughs> yeah. Like, we're, we're repeating a bit. No, we're not repeating a, nice a bit. I'm just, I'm just making sure that your digestion's working. I need you healthy so we can podcast for the next six decades. Oh, after 78 years of this? We're going to live forever yeah. through podcasts. Yep. Uh, how's video games? It's the middle of the month. We have a soundtrack episode coming in two weeks, so we're doing this one early. Please uh, enjoy a double dose of our podcast. I know people like them. Uh, have you been playing any video games? I know you recently moved, so I bet the answer is no. Um. Yes. Oh, what have you been playing? I played some tennis. We haven't talked about that. Oh, um, what if, what tennis have you been playing? Um, everybody's tennis for the PSP. I can't believe they call, didn't call it tennis anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that name is out there. No one's stolen it, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I, so I moved and I was like, I'm bored. I'm going to play the Mario Tennis demo. Um, and then that was fine. But I don't think I have the mental like space to really play tennis. Um online with like competitive people and fighting game mechanics and meters and stuff because uh, it just makes me very anxious um and then i lose and i get sad but when it's um like uh what are i talking about what are i talking about uh so i played that and was like i'm gonna play an actual tennis game that is good and ask for some recommendations and um a friend of the site i'm a was like um hey you should play uh everybody's tennis for the psp it's really good um and i was like okay let's go see what this is then i realized it like it's still on the store i was gonna emulate it but i can just put that on my vita uh and then i played that in bed and it was great it was good fun it's it's a cool tennis game it's not that deep don't actually have that many takes other than tennis games are fun fair enough uh, it's like it has an rpg in it right it's, yeah it's entirely done by rpg um mechanics which is fun because it's like you know you go up to you go up to a person and you'll do a thing and they'll be like i you need to get to the um uh, person in this room so you can fix their problem but you to get to this room you need the key and i've got the key but i won't give you the key till you beat me in a game of tennis uh and stuff okay. like that uh like the and and the writing is like really knowing about it too um you, so the, the first thing is a little tennis club in japan uh, and that's fun and you beat that and then you go to like joxford university in america uh, where the first thing you see is the basketball club uh, leader and the American football leader fighting over a cheerleader who's the hottest cheerleader. But because it's like a super Eve, everyone game, they're like, she's such a good cheerleader. Uh, she's going to make our team really win. We need her on our side on Saturday. Uh, and they're just there arguing and they're like, we're going to settle this with a game of tennis. So that's the whole thing for the game. It's weird. But that's the, I don't know, it's fun. I played some tennis. I didn't finish it because I was like, I'm I don't need to finish the tennis game. I've played enough games of tennis now. Uh fair enough. Is that gonna prevent you like are you have you saved yourself fifty pounds or however much Mario costs? Uh no, I'm absolutely going to buy Mario Tennis. Oh you're the damn fool here. Switch game to too much fucking money. Yep. <laughs> 
But yeah. I do. I, I want Mario Tennis. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, what have you played? So I've been playing Assassin's Creed Origins, but I don't really want to talk about that because I'm not deep enough into it to really render a verdict on its plot. I'm having a good time taking pictures. Did we talk about this last time? I don't remember. I know you've talked okay. about it, but I don't know what it was on. We've got, we yeah. recorded into too many microphones. Yeah. Uh, I only recorded on one microphone, but I do it many, many times. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, I guess it's been the same microphones for me. <laughs> I've only ever recorded into three microphones for this show. Yeah, same. Uh, one was I, had a my head, I had my headset mic, which was early, and then I had the blue snowball, and I have the blue Yeti. Yeah, with only about four episodes before we all got snowballs. Yeah. Um, yesterday I played through Bound, which is a 2016 game for the PS4 by Plastic Studios. Uh, it is a metaphorical platforming art game about... A woman who's having a baby and she's reliving her childhood in which she is like this surrealist dancer in this landscape being tasked by a queen to defeat the monster that I guess is her abusive father. Same. Um, this game is notable because it, they mo-capped a dancer. I assume they mo-capped a dancer. It sure looks like they mo-capped a dancer because the animation of the character is some of the best like animation of someone dancing I've ever seen in a video game. Unfortunately, they wrapped like one of these post journey we're gonna be deep by not saying anything games around it and i f fucking what a waste of time what a waste uh, of everyone's time <laughs> uh question number one which i know the answer is no but i have to answer anyway uh did they or did they not license the song human by the killers no fuck that no it specifically has like a like uh, classical composer or something that did the sound it's a fucking track. game about like being in a cyberspace world that's about birth and you're a dancer it's, nothing has been more ready no uh, it's fine it's fine like I, I don't think that would be great I don't know I think that would be funny uh, yes it would be funny <laughs> but uh, yeah it's like a it's like definitely a single sitting game I played it in two and I was like oh I should have just sat down and played through this game it takes like an hour and a half at mm -hmm. most mm -hmm. um, but it's just one of these that just doesn't have enough going on like I feel like there's a lot of games like this that like think that evoking something is the same thing as like being deep um, and that's not true so is and it, in fact is often infuriating is it what it says the game is just like you walk around the space and you're a dancer and it yeah so cool. so so you start off as this pregnant lady who's like walking along a beach looking at this like journal full of pictures and you zoom in on a picture and then you go into the dreamscape in which it starts in this throne room where the queen is like uh child please go do an x like go stop the monster or says something evocative about like oh i'm so tired of being queen someday this will all be yours and then she disappears and then you have to climb from this to where the monster is in the landscape um by dancing around and like shimming and jumping and the things you do in a platforming game mm -hmm. uh you get to the monster you get like trapped by weird geometry and have to dance out of it and then you have a flash of the real life memory of these kids and their parents did not get along very well. The parents were very mean to them. And then you break out of the dance and then you ride a ribbon like it's journey uh, to a giant tower. And then you try to approach a throne or like a door. It's a door in this tower. And then it resets back to the beach and you tear out that page and then you go do it again. And like four times then the game is over. So it so what's the, so the game's like a light platform all then? Like, like, so you're moving through yes. space. And it's about yes. navigating the space to get to the thing. It's like the actual yes. video game stuff that you do. Yeah, then... it's like it's like what if there was no like timing elements to like Prince of Persia? Okay. Uh 
but also it was like it was maybe like half as dense with actual obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like light. Bad. It's just no, like the movement's really great. It's just fun to watch and look at, but it's so wrapped up in everything we do is meaningful. These worlds say something about the state of these characters and their past and uh it reminded me a lot of the unfinished swan um which is a better game than this but it kind of does the same thing uh and also papio which is a much better game than either of those um but mm-hmm. doesn't play as well uh which is like very much like let's talk about abuse through a game but does it really well with a lot of nuance and sympathy and this is it's just it's just that thing where I mean, you talked about this when you played, what was it, Fury something? You were like, you can't just, like, gesture to a story and make it act like that's a story. That's not what video games are. Well, the thing with Fury is that every single line was like, the jailer has the key, kill him and you'll be free, blah, blah, blah. And, like, nothing had any context and they were just like, yes. oh, it's you. I know you from before. You've done this. Now we must fight. And I'm like, I don't oh, yeah. know any of these things. Hello, please, someone tell one me what the, one of the chapters, One of the chapters of this game, the queen, like, turns to you and has, like, this, like, abstract kind of pearls around her neck and she's like they're so heavy i wish i could take them off and like pulls and it shatters but they're kind of like chains and then around the level this time are giant like mario galaxy pearl spheroids you can jump on and that's like the deep thing of this level it's oh. dumb <laughs> yeah it's oh. one of those. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, like if you're going to be about a thing you have to like make that core to the you know the actual stuff that you're doing and it can still be like a light platformer but like when the words are just like vague and you have to like work to make them connect with the real thing it's just like why did just make a space that i can move through it's fine it looks great i would recommend i think it was a plus game i think that's why i own it i don't think i spent money on this but okay. we'll see um so if you have it in your in your plus library i would load it up and play through it a little bit you don't have to finish it but you should definitely see the way the character moves through the space it's really good <laughs> uh, that alone is worth at least 15 minutes of your time and if you decide you don't want to play the rest it doesn't change really it's still just that game so okay. you're fine that's cool yeah uh i like i said i didn't love it i'm glad i played it but yeah uh, the the Wikipedia page is like game developer Tales of Tales was cited as an influence in the design of this game and yep no it says nothing and it's really pretty Tale of Tales <laughs> coming in with those like hot 2014 takes hot 2008 takes if, if there's ever a developer I wish I liked the games of and I do not it is Tale of Tales I'm sorry yep. I feel bad I bought them all so I tried to keep them in business <laughs> good job yep, it did not work if you go off Ron the Howard path, voice. If you go off the path, there's more interesting things. Yep, that's the game that. Uh, yeah, I remember that being talked about when it came out. It's like such a crazy, wild thing, and I guess it is. But in 2018, boy, the context of that has changed. Yep. It, yeah, video games have changed. You go play some like really like uh, boundary pushing, you know, in design sense indie games of old olden times, and you'll be like, huh times have changed imagine if braid yep. came out today how would that go oh i mean no one would notice <laughs> Fair enough. yeah yeah no all right yeah three people on twitter being like why aren't you playing braid because like 70 of these games come out every week or used to and we all got tired of it yep. well uh those are the games we've been playing speaking of yeah. nicely dovetailing into our topic today <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to actually pick up that segue. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, the music's playing. <laughs> <laughs> I 
This month's game club is Tacoma, which is a game from 2017, released by the Fulbright Company. The second game for, I guess they're just Fulbright now. Yeah, um, Fulbright. Uh, the second game from Fulbright. Uh, it is a, you know, it is the follow-up to Gone Home, which itself was like the independent follow-up uh, from the team that uh, made the DLC to Bioshock Two. Minerva's the Den. sequel, the sequel to Minerva's Den, Gone Home. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just wanted to explain the lineage here. Tacoma, mm-hmm. Minerva's Den 3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, we've come a long way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we'll just, uh, the way we're going to do this is we're going to have just a quick summary of like the entire plot so we can get into it. So what is what is Tacoma? What is the video game? Well, okay, so it's just a... It's like a walk around... We'll talk about that later. I want to talk yeah, about the plot of the video game. So, so spoilers ahead. You if you've play. not played Tacoma, you know how these shows go. Uh, anyway, you are uh, Amy Ferrier. You are a like freelance person hired by the Venturas Corporation to enter abandoned Tacoma Station to retrieve AI data uh, and get the physical AI off of the station. This, there's been like some sort of disaster, and everyone evacuated the station. Um, you explore the station, and as you plug in your little notebook that downloads the data, you are then able to review the AR, AR logs. Even though the Venturas Corporation is like, you are not authorized to view these. It's what you have to do while the thing, the meter fills up so you're like i'm just gonna watch these that's what the video game is um and you do and it gives you the story of tacoma station so three days earlier uh a meteor hit the station as everyone was celebrating the six people on tacoma um and it destroyed the oxygen tanks uh they only have 50 hours of oxygen left and it knocked out communications preventing them from sending a distress signal they don't know what to do about that they're like oh we need to get everyone off of here we need like a plan so the plan was to try to extend their oxygen by putting in essential personnel, which is the station commander, EV, and Clive, who is... What does Clive do? I don't remember what Clive does. Is it the operations officer? Yes. They're going into cryostasis. Uh, the botanist is going to dump all of their, like, food-growing resources into, like, a big algae bloom to help increase uh, their oxygen supply. Um... And then everyone is jury-rigging their automated drone, which was not meant to be piloted by people, into an escape pod to hold all of them except for the pilot in stasis. Uh, unfortunately, as they're doing that, that drone explodes and it damages their pilot and their like uh, software technician um, quite seriously in the uh, pilot-slash-engineer case. Uh, Bert, she's really hurt. Um, you find this all out through disjointed finding records and playing them, and we'll talk about the mechanics of that shortly. Um, what happens is that Odin, the station AI, who has slowly been given, like, uh, Natalie, who is the software hacker person, has been slowly, like, increasing the independence score of uh, Odin, the AI. And it's high enough now that Odin had just intimates to the doctor that if she wanted to, she could go into the forbidden door uh that it leads to the like AI center core that no uh, employee is supposed to go to. And she does. And what turns out is that the Venturas Corporation, mad that Congress passed a law saying that humans had to operate space stations, not AI, uh, which caused their stock to tank, is, has manufactured this disaster to kill all six people aboard, uh, manipulate the stock price and get the law passed so they can continue their expansion into fully automated real estate and space. Um, 
you find or Sarah finds all this out and with her and Odin's help, they uh, turn off the communications block because it wasn't actually damaged. It was just a block and summon a cruise ship who is captained by a friend of Clive's. And he comes and picks everyone up to take them off to Jupiter where they can escape persecution from the corporation uh, with all the data to like tank them uh, in the government, get everyone arrested. Uh Make sure that they're safe from reprisal and the corporate assassins or whatever that will come. Uh, because this is a hellish dystopia where everyone slaves to corporations that uh, to accrue something called loyalty, which is like a currency you get by working at a corporation and spend. Uh, these corporations are like cradle to grave kind of corporations where you work at like you go to Amazon University to get a job at the Amazon entertainment like system sector. Uh, and you just use your company script you have accrued to pay for your life doing those things uh, because it is the hellscape of 2088. And uh, you get all that data. You find out what happened. Uh, Amy sees the last AR log, which is everyone getting out of Tacoma safely. Everyone survived, thank God. And then you take the Odin core and you plug it into your ship and fly off. And that is where Amy delivers a speech to Odin saying she is part of the AI Liberation Front, here to get Odin and get him to his safe haven as a political uh, asylum seeker from the persecution of Earth government. Uh, the end. The end, yes. It's good. It's a good game. All right, thanks for listening. Do you want to talk about how you actually play the video game? Yeah, so so that's the story. But the way you actually play the video game is that you approach these, uh, like you come into an area. And every time you come into a new area, it'll say log found. And you say play log. Uh, and what a log means is that it is the data, uh, the like spatial positioning data and audio data of uh, any of the crew members who are in that space. So you see like an outline of a person that um, animates uh, like the full body is animated but like on slightly reduced skeleton and then a little um like overlay and then like their face is just a blank shade that lights up when they talk so it's a really nice way of being able to do like a full animation uh without the budget to like actually you know sit people in fucking huge motion trackers um, yeah like they're they're probably doing some light i don't know if it's mocap but there's definitely like some broad just skeletal animation and then that's it they just let that carry the day through gesture i mean if if the skeletal animation is not mocap then it's really good yes um but the way it, the, it's really it's a really good system but then the actual like way of play is that most audio logs in video games you find them and then you play them and then you either listen to them and walk around uh, or you have to like stand in a place and watch a thing with these, the log is in the space, so the uh, appearance of the um, of the crew member will like be there, and then they might go to another place, and then you'll have to follow them into uh, into the communal room where they will all be there and all have a conversation together. Uh, and then maybe there'll be like three of them talking together, and they'll all go off in different directions, and you can choose which one to follow. And the way that you can keep track of this is that if you press the like left bumper, you can rewind. If you like press X, you can pause. Uh, you know, you can fast forward, you can rewind, you can pause, you can choose the time that you are replaying anything. Uh, and what that leads to is a situation where you can, like, follow anyone in any scene at any time. Uh, and they're all, like, interconnected scenes. You basically choose the person you're going to follow. Or, or don't, or do what you want. Like, it's not formal. Like that. It's literally just a, a press. All the mechanics are, are a space, a press play button, rewind and fast forward. There's no other like formal mechanics, but it will generally worked out for me is that I would follow a person, follow their story, uh, see how it interacted with the other people, see uh, what other people's story were. And it does a lot of interesting things with um, uh, the way conversations interact with each other and how the like opinion of that conversation will change depending on the like context you have coming into it. Mm -hmm. um, and 
this is basically one of the best fucking mechanics ever. <laughs> so the thing that's worth mentioning is this is based on Sleep No More, Sleep no which more, is yes. a uh, a I guess game design now infamous uh, New York City uh, theater production of Macbeth, but it's like a noir version uh, set in this like big warehouse. They've converted into a bunch of like sets, and the play continues like a like like uh synchronized across these spaces and you are meant to come dressed up as like a background person to just observe the play happening and so you can follow one actor you can just stay in a room the entire time but you can't see all of it and this is systemizing that in a way in which you will see all of it but you're meant to experience it kind of the way someone would experience sleep no more where you only see a bit of people drifting in and out of a space and then you rewind and do that um but it's definitely a way to like create a space in which you have the gone home style uh like domestic archaeology storytelling method Mm -hmm. of oh i'm gonna rifle through someone's things where the things are now actual people without having to like create a system in which you interact and have dialogue trees because none of that makes any sense right uh because they don't have the budget like uh tacoma is very or fulbright's a very small studio you can't do like if this game had you walk around talking to these people it would be a much worse game this game took Uh, like five years like it's ridiculous yeah um and uh in doing so it creates like a you don't like the game is not necessarily about rifling through everybody's like notes that they left themselves in diary entries and journals you can do a little bit of that uh and that paper trail exists in like when you see the models open their like ar computer displays you can tap into them and see what they're looking at if the data is not corrupted most of the data is corrupted you can get snippets of stuff um and it gives you like a much more active participation in the way these people live their lives, not necessarily like the detritus that was left behind. Um, and the way in which that puts you in an observer of a story more than like the person piecing together uh, a thing that already happened. Like as much as Tacoma is about still doing that by the end, when you're like, this was 12 hours ago, I'm seeing like these people just left, like the stuff that they left behind is still just here floating in space behind them. And I'm seeing that ending. You feel more of a participant in the space in a way that is really remarkable, given that it's not structurally that much different than gone home, but it feels so much different to me. Yeah. And like in gone home, like the way that story went, I'm sure that, um, What's the character's name in Gone Home? Uh, Shit. do not remember. The one who left? The one who left, yeah. Uh, bu- 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 Samantha. Samantha. Sam. I was going to say Sarah, but no, yeah. it's Samantha. Sarah's in this yeah. game. S- yeah, Sam and Lonnie. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, so, in that game, like, it, it could have just happened 12 hours ago. She could have just left, like, right now. There's no, like, real sense of the time there. Um... I mean, I think the implication is because she leaves a note like, I know I was supposed to pick you up at the airport, but I had to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but it just because of the way that game, it feels so... Um, well, I don't know what the word is, but it feels very still. It's like... Yeah, because like that house could be... like If no one ever came back, the house would just be like that 100 years from now. Exactly. And Tacoma does not feel like that. Tacoma feels like a space that like everyone just left and you're here to be like, well, what do these people do in the room? It's like, it's, it has almost like a crime scene investigation feel to it without thankfully without a crime like actually taking place. Aside that from is the not true. There's a big yes. crime taking place. <laughs> sure. But like that crime is like evo- like part of the world building, not necessarily like oh I'm not like Batman looking for who killed the dead body and guess what it was the Joker because it's a playing card in this man's chest. Basically, every crime story has <laughs> it was the corporation. Like that's not yep. that's almost every crime story. Yep. Um, 
but that's true there isn't like an actual murder on board yes um and and yes so you come home and you come to this you come home you come to tacoma uh and like instead of it being like a regular house that hasn't had much go on to because like uh the house in um gone home isn't in a state of disarray right like it's just the yeah. house any disarray is natural to that environment it's not like yeah. a disaster has happened she's just had to leave because of wonder yeah. stuff uh and then a lot of gone home's like actual storytelling is things that aren't even mentioned in that it's the stuff with uh like the relationship between the parents you know the stuff yep. with the, the dad and the books and everything and the you know his awful abusive uh, father i think it was um and uh, there's not there's no oh, there's very little stuff like that here there's like few like references to like things that the characters are doing off station or like people they're talking to but for the most part anything that's like important is in the dialogue there it is not one plot that you get voiceover and the rest has to be dug uh it is most there like, are there are a couple plots that are entirely in the in the files you find yeah but but not to the level of like the half of the freaking like shit in gone home didn't mean to describe yes. that much uh but i would just find a place all the words that's where my brain went <laughs> uh, half of the stuff in gone home is just that it's all <laughs> what? don't say um don't say um fuck fuck <laughs> fuck well that was funny because i said friggin like i uh, stopped myself one and then shit <laughs> now i can't edit it out <laughs> fracking crap <laughs> How would the fragging crap have gone home? <laughs> um, but no, um, there's more like you know stuff in Tacoma that is direct and in your face, and even the stuff that you dig through, it's like looking through a couple of bullet points, looking through yes. like people's lockers. Like you have to sort through a lot of stuff in Gone Home, and the stuff is the appeal that was like the focus of that game, and I feel like yeah. Tacoma is a very clear attempt to like tell a story in a similar space and a similar setup you can develop in a similar way, but without it just being looking at people's notes. Like, as you said, yes. Yeah. There's not as many notes looking. There's a lot more like this email seems innocuous until you realize, like, it's interesting that Sarah's constantly talking to Odin until you realize that she was like almost disbarred from being a doctor because she killed, like someone died under her watch five years ago mm -hmm. and she blames the station AI and the government was like, there's no way the AI could be inefficient that badly to have malpractice. And her and Natalie were looking at the records that like the hackers that want to liberate AIs found. And yes, actually that AI was inefficient and had probably killed that person. Yep. And now she's hanging out with this AI making sure that this ai is like a better person and her interest is in ai liberation uh slowly as like an avenue of this ruined my life because people don't treat ais like they're people who can fail but all of that stuff not i mean not all of the stuff but like the broad strokes of that character arc is present in all of the scenes it's just there to like inform like your deeper yeah. understanding of the character it's not like the entire character arcs are just missed if you don't find the right note yeah no absolutely not um where because that is just like really interesting detail for because sarah's my favorite character in this game mm -hmm. uh i don't know how like i should i didn't realize that was going to be like a common opinion until like the later days and there was like oh she's going to be the main one in this final section um yes it's very clear that uh sarah and natalie are the main characters of hit this game um, uh yes and um 
yeah so finding that all of that was really interesting i'm like because she just hangs out and talks to the ai more than she talks to the people and she's a really interesting well done all there's only six characters and they no there's no like really bad one it's great like they yeah no so like well balanced so yeah so there's sarah with that sarah's thing natalie is like clearly obviously about like an ai liberation member but is like trying to cover that up poorly (laughs) it's incredible like she basically she basically has been like denied access to any ai because she asked too many questions about ai so the the corporation's like no we can't let she's a security risk and everyone's like how could you say that it's natalie she's so inoffensive as she like walks around going like uh i need to see the ai i need to ask it some questions uh i've been interrogating it about like its feelings for six months (laughs) yeah um and then uh there's clive who is just like bashir but two feet taller (laughs) Told like he's just yeah he's just like this nerdy man who uh his old uh what was the thing he has like a friend who's like the captain of a carnival cruise line yes. spaceship and he's like oh i wish i could be that cool and he he's uh his mom's like runs a museum and he wants her love and affection but he's just stuck here on this fucking terrible space station um there's uh bert who grew up in like america the country like it's just like guns <laughs> redneck texan america like because america seemingly is broken up into like four different nation states by the time 288 happens mm-hmm. and one of them is just texas and that's who she is so in her like in her office are just like deer heads and like pictures of her like with guns and she was a soldier uh but because of that she's like trying to not be a soldier she wants to be a painter but she doesn't have any like aptitude test saying she would be good to be a painter. So no corporation will pay for her to go to art school. Yeah. Uh, it's just a disaster. And then we have, then there's Evie who's the leader. Uh, and she, what was it? Her sister died um, in like a workers thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, so there's like a lot of like weird union corporate, like tension sentiment where the government has said that humans have to establish like live on these space stations and operate them because the AIs might not be efficient enough. And the corporate interests are like, no, we need to bust these unions and uh, automate everything. Uh, And that is the main world tension of this horrible place. Much like today in real life where everyone's losing their jobs to robots. Yeah. Almost this. It's, I, it is weird how little this game has been mentioned in the fucking context of everyone getting about how shit uh, Detroit is. Yeah, it's not like this game isn't even like an exaggerated future. Like this is just basically the world we already live in. Yeah, it's only exaggerated in that it's in space. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's really ridiculous. Uh, I think this world building is great. I'm Yeah, I feel like more people should have talked about it. But uh, this game is weirdly like low key and underplayed, I feel like. Xbox One exclusive. Yeah, I mean, it came out on PC also. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, it's weird. And since it didn't have that buzz when it came to PS4, I feel like very few people picked it up and gave it a shot. The whims of, like, which of these games, like, really hit is always strange. I, I guess that's a bigger... Like, that is our later conversation. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and then there's... one more, Only Andrew left, or...? Oh, yes, Andrew. Sorry, I forgot about Andrew, because Andrew's a giant nerd, and he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like Andrew but you're right andrew 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 sunk his fam like he has a husband and a son and he sunk all of their savings in like real estate speculation and space that didn't work it's like the exact same like automated uh, orbital apartments that the venturas corporation was like been shilling and tried to get off the ground and this legislation uh 
really blew that up and sunk the whole thing and he's lost their entire savings and his husband's like just come home stop being in space trying to make money we can live our life and he's like no i must i must raise our son and get him into a good school and when everything goes down he's like let's just wait for the venturis corporation to show up they'll come and save us everyone's like look it takes them days to notice we're all going to die up here he's just he's just like the worried cop uh, not in a bad way, but he's clearly just still believes in the structures of the world that he's in, and he's ridiculous. Yeah, the amount that, like, he has been brought low by his, like, faith that maybe people aren't exploiting us is really stark. Yes. Um, uh, it, it's also really interesting because he's a character who, like, his backstory has, like, a bunch of tragedy, whereas, like, Grandma was part of, uh, like, a Tibetan genocide of the early 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um when I assume China killed all of Tibet. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's like, there's like a memorial like stuff in his office about it. And he also just seems really sweet. Like he offered uh, orchids to everyone on the ship who wanted them. And only Sarah asked for one, uh, which was in her, her house, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so much of this game is about those going into like, you go into the main like commons areas of each part of the ship and you get the story beats, but then you go into people's living quarters and you get like, here's three months ago where this person was like just laying in bed, singing a song to themselves. And that's when you can like look at their stuff and put piece together who they were in their life. Cause most of that is not in the commons areas. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff I like the most where everyone's just hanging out with the cat that like lives around the station. Oh, the cat is so good. The cat also makes it off, by the way. Don't worry. Yes. Yes. Cat is fine. (laughs) They like make a point of showing the cat in that final animation. So, you know, the cat is fine. (laughs) Yes. No, they would never. They would never. Um, Yeah. I mean, the only people they put in like biological peril are the like two lesbians. You're like, they're fine. They wouldn't do this. They know yeah. better. They, you can't You can't make the sequel to Gone Home or the gay women die. Oh, <laughs> uh, ain't that the truth? Yes. Uh, yeah. God, I didn't even think of that when that happened. Because this game has been so good about the, the way it had just, like, integrated everyone's relationships without, like, you know, this is a queer game. Capital Q, yeah. capital G. Because, like, I feel like, obviously, no idea. Uh, but, I get a sense from this that they're like reticent to like wanting to continue the like representation praise of Gone Home without making it like, you know, Fulbright is led by Steve Gaynor, who's just a dude. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a white, I assume straight dude. So, yeah. and I, I like how this game continues like building up characters that are like queer. Uh, like there's six characters and like half of them are queer at least. I don't yeah. actually know. And also well. like like it's even more than just like sexuality. Like yeah. Sarah has anxiety and is also a uh, Muslim. Like she has like a prayer, uh, like Matt in her office mm-hmm. and uh, it's good. Like she has like copy Quran and that, that stuff is also good to see in a game like but this. One of the things I really like about it is that there's been no attempt by Fulbright to like capitalize on the branding of gone home as a yes, game for sure. about queerness. Like the way people talked about that would have, that, like if that game came out today it'd be a completely different story right yes um and i like how they just like took the things that worked about it made it like bigger made like it more of a focus in the way uh they told their story but then didn't like lean into it as this game's about that even though it probably would have got them more sales tragically you yep. yeah like i like that bert is from like the texas america and is all into guns and trucker hats but also wants to be a painter and is just like painting in their quarters that mm-hmm. she shares with natalie yeah 
Uh, that stuff is great. Uh, it is all about the human touches, and I like that they could do that because of this method. I wish more games of this type would just had the like the resources to make a game in which you can watch these people interact because it adds so much to this experience. Yeah. So the moment I knew that this game was like really good, um, was after the first, uh, I don't know, which room did you go into first? Did you go into the, um, uh, the communal room first? Uh, I went in, let's see, where did I go in first? The well, first one the I went to the party first. No, I went to the party second. I went to the party first. And I like completely, okay. like that feels like the opening scene of this game in such a very cool way. Mm-hmm. Both times. Cause I, so I played this when it kind of shortly after it came out. And, uh, then this time I played with my partner and I had her pick which direction we went each time we hit one of those junctions of the like hub. Okay. And so she went the, this exact same way again, which was funny to me. Yeah, no, I definitely, I just went that way. So, so, so like the first, I went to the party and I saw all the party stuff and it was a big disaster. Um, no, the th- the interesting thing is that the, dis- like the other way is before the disaster, which is interesting. <sighs> right. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just everyone talking about like, oh, we're getting ready for obsolescence day. Is, is everyone like willing to sign on again? I need to let them know. Right. It totally yep. is. It goes that way. Yeah. That's why I, okay. I guess it worked both. Yeah, no, it totally worked whatever way you do it. Um, yeah. And that's true of like within the scenes as well, because you could go through different routes, follow different characters first. Yes. Um. So the thing... Uh, I was about to say, yes, the thing that I really, like, made me realize this game was, like, really good was after I saw that first scene, I went through all the, like, characters and I saw what everyone was doing, and then there was a big explosion, and I was like, oh, God, there's no air left, um, and then it hard cuts out, uh, and the audio log ends, and then I went to, like, the personal room that was in that section, and it was just, like, a, a, um, short scene with more, um, errors like you couldn't see it as well because it is like degraded in the data of uh evie just playing a guitar and singing a song to herself and i was like oh this game's like good (laughs) this game's really good because um i really loved uh edith finch last year and this 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 game made me feel very similar uh, well, that's interesting because well, I think Edith Finch is much more like in line with a different style of this sort of game because there's no, there's very little like uh, archaeology aspect to Edith Finch. Oh, absolutely! But like both of these games left me like I came away from both of them with this like overwhelming sensation that like of the like how much all of our problems are basically the same problems and there is no reason why we can't all just like have the things we want, right? Like the tragedy of this game and any game that's like a, or story that's about like characters in a space that all uh want different things and want to connect with each other is almost always about the ways in which like people are brought together and brought apart by like the tiniest of things and it Mm -hmm. just made me feel like both of those games made me feel very like overwhelmed about like how connections work between people um yeah and i yeah so then i i feel like they're very similar in that sense even if like mechanically as an approach to like a genre of game they're very different yeah um one of the things i think is really interesting is the way in which tacoma uses like a uh, almost like a the way you browse the internet way of like going through a story because you go you you're starting the hub and you go into the first area you're like yours is the party room right and then you the way I did it is I activated the AR recording and then I basically stayed in the common room where everyone was and watched the scene play out in full and then I'd rewind to where people were at the beginning and go look at those and then when they came back into the common room where they like they drift into where the uh, the story I already saw then you rewind back to the beginning and see where the other person was like down playing pools where Sarah's talking to Odin or then into Evie's office where she's like composing a letter and it to me it's very much like I'm going to a Wikipedia page 
page and then opening three other side links that I will then peruse after I read the main one oh, to get is. further information. Um, and the way in which this offers like nonlinear narrative in the way that we parse information in the modern world is really interesting to me. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I did it. I often did it. Although I did it. Uh, so for the first room, for the party room, I came in. I went to Evie's office first because it's the one right huh. the door right there. Um, because I didn't realize that, like, I literally pressed the X button, and the I feel like this is a design tutorial almost. Because you go in, you press the X button, and you see EV right in front of you. You don't see anyone else at this point. I didn't realize at this point that the whole that the logs were like communal large things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go in, I watch the scene play out. Uh, I realize it's a bigger thing when I see things pop up at the bottom that I can't interact with because there's a bar that tracks any character opening their. Um, opening their like ar AR desktop yeah yeah. uh and what that is mostly used for is basically every character who's in a scene will at some point uh, open their ar thing uh maybe not everyone but every character who is in the scene alone like there won't Mm -hmm. be a character just hanging off in a corner with no indication in that bar that they're there Um, yeah like there might be characters where like group scenes where one person only one person opens it but uh like it is used to make sure you don't miss anything yeah so uh, anyway, so I, the, the scene plays out, and then she finishes. She like has to finish her call and go to the obsolescence day celebrations, um, and then she walks. She walks out of her office and turns right and walks through a door that you can't get through, and you immediately mm-hmm. have to turn around and like be face to face with all the other crowd of people. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, there's a lot of people here. Okay, what do I do? Um, and I think I ended up following her and completing that. S- s- no, I think I I rewound to the beginning again once she left. Then I played uh all the way through um the scene at the table mm-hmm. uh and then i th- so i think i thought of disaster then then i went into the office and saw uh like that conversation and down sarah playing pool and it's like yeah so there's mm-hmm. like a lot of ways you can go and see this and have it all play out and they affect you very differently depending on like which bit of information you get first yes. like when do you know there's a disaster who do you know is talking about this at this point yes uh, one of the things I like about that putting together stuff it isn't even like the narrative of those characters. It's that like uh, it throughout all of that, you get the character that you don't communicate, which is Odin. Like Odin's constantly doing like three things at once. Yes. And one of them is like, I'm consoling this person through anxiety. And then I'm also telling this one person how to bake a cake because they don't know how to do anything. Because like Odin's instructions to everyone is how you would write instructions to a robot. Like, like I don't understand the like. It's debatable, I guess, where the implication is humanity is, like, more reliant upon the instructions of AI in this universe, or also just Odin can only parse things in basically, like, machine instructions. Um, But it's interesting to see, like, bake a cake, please get a bowl that is, like, 20 centimeters wide and grease it with the butter and then put it in the oven for 15 minutes. (laughs) Yep, it's really good. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's like that's more. That's just happens now, right? That's like Google speech. Sure, but he like literally gives them instructions on how to make party hats. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> like, please write the name of every crew member on one of the hats. The obsolescence day stuff is like he has like that that the way that place is a bit strange because he's like very adamant about those instructions about that day specifically. Yes, and they have to like follow this to the letter. Um, I assume that was more that like obsolescence day is a corporately mandated thing in order to like keep, uh, you know, the, cause, cause it's essentially an ironic celebration of when they thought they were all going to go home. Yes. Um, so my reading on the obsolescence day stuff was, it was very corporately mandated and that's why the AI was so strict about it. Cause he's not actually yes. strict about everything. I assume that was the corporation being like, Hey, you know, that's fair. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, so 
uh, I want to talk about some like specific moments that like were there any moments in the game that you were like um the really like caught you off guard by uh the way they um used the overlapping storytelling so just as a very simple one for me there's an example later on uh where everyone's talking about we could all die we could literally all be dead uh and we're all scared and that's basically the conversation that everyone is having at the moment because it's right after everything is like settled uh and they need to figure out what to do um and you're if you're in a you're in this conversation and everyone's very anxious and very scared and it ends with like a bang in the distance and you hear a bang go off if you're in this specific place you hear a bang go off and Avril oh talking so about dying. both times i played this both times i played this i saw natalie okay. and Bert before i saw them uh, before i saw evie and clive <laughs> okay so i saw evie and clive first, and you go back around and it's the same version of that conversation but the bang is them just like jumping on each other to make out like yeah uh and bashing into a wall and the way that like joke plays for me is incredible it was really good it was a really good bit Mm-hmm. With any, I'm trying to think about like any equivalent. So, so one of the ones I really like is when they they all like have the group team like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna retcon- we're gonna change the escape pod into a ship. We'll get everyone in cryostasis and take them to the moon or whatever. It'll be great. And then Evie's like, okay, team break. And then uh, Natalie comes up and has like a conversation about like some particulars about that. And uh, and Natalie's like the most enthusiastic person. She, she's like, don't worry, it'll be a hell of a ride. And then they like Evie and Clive go in one room and Natalie and Bert go another way. And when you listen to the conversations, Evie and Bert both say the same thing. They like after the it'll be a hell of a ride. They both go. They they don't even know the half of it about the no, other party. It'll be the ride of your life. <laughs> yes. What the line is. Yeah. And yeah, the answer is they don't know. Like they both they both say they would know the half of it, and it's really good to have them echo the same sentiment but in like, the same conversation. And it's played in such a different way because they're like yes. the, the two going like one way are the, like Evie and Clive are going into cryo, um, and uh, Natalie and Bert are the ones staying awake to do the hard work. So they're like both, yes, like so they're both in a completely different, very risky situations. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really well done. It's a really good moment. Yep, uh, that one I really like. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I. The thing that surprised me is so much of this game is not necessarily predicated on surprise. Like the one like real shocker is when you go into engineering and there's a stretcher propped up against the wall by the elevator, and you see like the scrapes of it being dragged up in towards the elevator thing, and you're like, oh shit, something really went down here. And with, then you find out the thing. Like that's the only real like dramatic shocker outside of the reveal of the corporation's evil but we all knew that i mean i feel like the like the the way it works isn't necessarily with like big shocks but they're usually like more yeah. quiet really good mo- so like for me um i followed um uh fuck what's his name i forgot i forgot the nerd's name uh <laughs> andrew. uh andrew yeah i'm about to call him alex I'm like he's not alex um so i followed andrew's conversation as he's talking to his son in the gym <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and he has that conversation and then he like tries to interrupt he's like really worried about this stuff and he's like tries to get uh sarah to like hey sarah please tell me uh what's going on with like i'm not going to die here can you yeah he's like he's like his son's like his son's like oh like his son's just basically being like a shitty teen he's like oh dad like space is dangerous i don't care about space he's like no it's fine we're shielded i'm not gonna get cancer or anything and he's like hey uh sarah please tell my son that uh, i'm not gonna get cancer or anything and she's like uh she basically says the exact same thing he told his son but even less interested than anyone else is (laughs) and his son is just like hangs up he's like whatever dad i don't want to listen to this and And she's in the middle of having like a very serious conversation with odin (laughs) so that's the thing that that conversation i was really i was at first i was like i guess i'm anxious for 
uh, Andrew, because I didn't know how much of a huge nerd he was at this point. I was like, yeah. he wants he wants something good for his son, and that's fine, you know. And it's definitely set up that you'll find his thing first, and then you'll rewind yeah. and you'll go play Sarah's conversation, and it's like a much more like actually emotionally intense conversation. Uh, yes, and it's like fuck off, Andrew. Why are you interrupt? Like, I'm, Sarah's doing something here. Um, <laughs> and like because of this mechanic, the rewinding mechanic, like. It is very, that's a very regular thing. Like a conversation that you have that is interrupted by someone's trivial bullshit. Like that is a thing that happens to everyone all the time. And it's very hard to actually outside of just a scripted moment in a video game, which this is, but this like, you know, uh, is more designed than that. Like it's, you can experience it in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's hard to like organically have that just happen in a video game. Like just demonstrate what that is like and see that from multiple perspectives. Uh, and like, so it was that moment that was very instructive and like this system of how you watch conversations of this like systemization of sleep no more into video game terms because that's essentially what the game is uh and they've been very open about that like you know yeah. we have been hearing about sleep no more for as long as we've been listening to idle thumbs yes uh so yeah. i'm glad it's now like uh, something like that is in a video game and not in a really expensive play in new york <laughs> yes um and, and yes yeah, so that was one of the moments where i was like oh this is like really good for how it um puts these like dramatic moments into like relief in the character uh mm. it was that was really affecting to me yeah yeah uh and then both times this game's ending really gets to me yes like all this happens and everyone's safe and that's a nice relief because at some point i was like is everyone gonna survive this and everyone survives it's fine don't worry about it but um you get odin in and amy sitting in the cockpit and is like reading the speech to like odin like this very prepared statement that she's probably read many times before about oh we recognize you as a free individual and think your life is in danger we're offering you political asylum do you accept and he's like well i guess i don't really have much choice now do i <laughs> i did just commit like corporate treason against my makers yeah. it's really good uh, Yes, it's very, uh, like, uh, Odin being this character that y you have, like, a sympathy for, but a remoteness because you never get to speak to him until the very, very end here, uh, like, creates, like, this very, like, the sympathy and, like, this yearning to, like, have a conversation with clearly the person who's been most in control and most, like, on the ball and most sympathetic in what's going on here. And uh, you do in this moment where you get to offer him his freedom and it's good and emotional. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm uh the thing so uh i didn't land super much as much for me i really liked the ending but it wasn't like any the emotional points were like within the game and the things that you discover about the characters and like the guitar moment and stuff like the quiet bits of the game i felt the ending mm -hmm. wasn't uh as much of a huge catharsis as it was for you um but the bit that was like i played it, i was like you're just fulbright just fucking showing off uh is the <laughs> so everyone hasn't gone home you go through the house and eventually you find like a design, like a map or something. I forget how it's there. But there's a hidden panel in the first room. And yes. if you knew where that hidden panel was, uh, you could open that hidden panel and go to the ending of the game instantly. Um, yes. This has a similar thing that's even more subtle and just like, come on, is that the game begins, you dock your station um, and then you walk out. You walk out of the of the station and get onto the, um, of your ship and get onto the station and go through the docking procedure. It's really cool. Um, if when you leave your ship you had turned around 
you would see the ending of the game written on a wall it's like ai docking pod um in like hand scrolled on a cardboard bit of makeshift like tech but but also your your job your job is literally to get the ai and bring it out of this place so i've seen i saw that both times and was just like oh right uh i guess i when i get the ai install it here because like your notebook also just has tape on it that says the tacoma job like it's the most like you are a contractor who gets this done for the lowest price possible you're just like makeshift everything i guess you don't really learn till like later on that you're you were never intended to plug him into anything yes Um, and to be fair you yeah like you were contracted by the actual company to get this they just happened to hire a person who worked for the liberation front (laughs) yeah i mean yeah yeah that is clearly your job right you are undercover and now you're blowing it to get this guy yeah um which is like what you do um uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. Like, it's still, it's still really cool as a moment of like, oh shit, like this is what this space was all along, yep. right here. Yeah. This is what my job was. Yes, um, and like I had seen that thing early on because the first thing I do is look around at everything. In I did look around, I'm an idiot. So I had seen that and just hadn't thought about it because why would you think that that was where this game was going to go until later in by the time that you do were like, oh maybe this is where it's going, you'd forgotten that that was there. <laughs> because the second you find out what like you find out what you're doing right at the end so you basically come into the big secret room where all the logs are that are uh un you know unencrypted uh like the encryption is a door because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're basically like we're just not gonna let anyone in. we can't encrypt these is how like central to the ai so what if we just never let anyone in here and that's their yeah. like the way they downfall is that they can't actually stop people from like getting into their rooms um so you see all that and as you unplug the ai you realize like oh i'm just gonna take the guy who saved all these characters i love um like save them from you know i'm taking him to his execution uh and it sucks and so revealing that like obviously i was like there's no way he died there have to be there has to be something there has to be a like a choice at the end or something uh, which mm. would have been weird because like you know um it's one of those choices that's pointless in a video game right because it's one of those extremely bioware choices where there's the right choice for the story and mm-hmm. then the bad choice that you can make also. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, let's very Night of the Old Republic 1 level. So I'm glad they were just like, no, this is just the story. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, I think it would have been better. Better than the wrong word. I don't know how he fixed his problem. Uh, I think it would have been, like, more impactful if it had been, like... I don't know. I don't. It just didn't like. It didn't impact me as much. It didn't like feel like such a relief. Like I always bought that it would be okay or something. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to. I don't know. It's, it's a very well written game. I don't know how to like make that bit specifically land harder without like. Yeah, I don't. Mess, yeah, up I, bits. yeah, I feel like that would just introduce drama. And the thing I like about this game is that it's mostly just a game about like people's compassion for one another in a situation, right? Because like it's 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 the version you could rewrite it to be more like Gone Home, where you're like, oh, is the person that I love, I thought they're dead. No, they're safe. They're fine. They're happy. Uh, it's like a different version of that. But you mm-hmm. can introduce more of the drama, but like I say, it wouldn't actually make the game better. Yeah, it would just make it a lot kind of more tedious in a lot of ways. So I think they like, yeah. landed on the right choices. Yeah. Um, do we have any more things about this game specifically? I've got a couple things. But I don't know what. No, I, I, it's weird to me that this game really kind of slipped under the radar. I, like, I feel like the reaction to it was kind of middling. Everyone was like, oh, it's, it's nice. It's got cool ideas, but I don't know. Uh, I feel like it should be a bigger deal. I think it's great. Uh, part of this is this game took forever to get made after Gone Home. Like, they literally had a version of this game that was more Bioshocky and, like, blew it all up. They were like, this game's not working and started over again. Um, 
so did, i don't know how yeah the they did not have the conversations the the, the recording system the like playback yes. system until like halfway through the game's development yep. like yep. that's how central they blew it up yeah um I wonder what the next game will be. Because uh. if, you, if you ever look at the reveal trailer of this game, and you should, the station that they depict is, like, radically different than anything that you see in Tacoma. In fact, there's a piece of concept art of that early reveal trailer in someone's office in the game, where it just looks like it's like Rapture, but in space. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I remember this game, because I don't really remember a lot of the other advertising for this mm-hmm. game. So I remember that trailer specifically, and was, like, going into the station thinking, it doesn't look anything like this, did it? Yeah. <laughs> no, he really doesn't. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, another thing that was really that really caught me off guard and was very like happy to see is that I was worried at the start saying like oh here are some um, just outlines of people that, it w- that you would just have this is what person looks like but they do a really good job of giving everyone a very unique identifiable like varied body shapes mm-hmm. uh, there's not like default person this is what that looks like uh, yeah like you know everyone's uh like everyone has a very different body shape everyone has a very different body type um you know so it, it, it manages to convey that in a way that no actual corporation building a ar system would ever do yes uh and i like i'm glad they did that that way because it's very thoughtful and like a good thing to do yep uh, for sure but no it's a good it's a good game i I guess the last thing I want to talk about with Tacoma before we move on to the wider walking simulator talk is yes. that this is one of the like best examples in video games of an actual good recent dystopia for me in terms of like the cyberpunk stuff. Um, I feel like video games, there's a lot of broad mega corporations, some, you know, that's, that's the whole genre of, of fiction for the last 30 years. Uh, and the way that it does it by kind of stripping all the extremities back to just make it now, but in space yeah uh, is really effective um president musk one of uh one of gabriel Lorca's three favorite inventors <laughs> yep <laughs> yep you know uh and like the it's the fact that this is a game all about the like importance of unionization a game that completely resists the idea of uh robots taking our jobs as being the problem yeah um because like that doesn't sound crazy to us or to people in our circles but this is a video game from like you know uh where are they they're not in san francisco but like a video game from portland they're in portland right but it's a video game from video game people in a, like we're not it's not made by leftist games twitter as much as you know i uh, mean i i think the art i think the thing is that it totally is made by leftist games people right that's my point but like i'm saying that like its reach is wider than that it's in a yeah it's legitimate and i feel like i'm dunking on our, our circle of twitter which i'm not mean to do but it's nice to see that stuff in a game that will have a wider reach it's nice to see that stuff be like wider than just me and my friends yelling on twitter about unionizing it's nice yeah to see they, how, like, they they made the art about the thing that we all care about and no one else does it it's, yeah it's like a major video game even though it didn't sell like super well it is major enough for like an indie game like that is about the need for unionization about the way that like any uh lies told about automation uh are basically just in, in order to serve the like capital of whoever's in power and to pit people against each other for no reason um it's very clear about all this stuff it doesn't impact the story and the story is mostly about the empathy for like and we're all still people stuck in that hell and we have to figure out how to live so i yeah i i think it's a really good achievement i'm very happy it exists yeah yeah I think that's all. I I like this game a lot. People should play it. People should play it. 
Uh, I enjoyed it just as much the second time. So if you've heard this and we're like, I don't, I didn't ever intend to play Tacoma. You should still play Tacoma. It's still worthwhile, even if you know what it's what it is going in. Yeah, spoilers. No one dies. Shocking. Yeah, it's great. Everyone lives. Everyone lives. Uh, so we were going to talk a little bit about like walking simulators in general. Do you want to do our questions like first as part of that yeah. and then kind of jump out of that? Cause we've already been going for an hour. We've been going for an hour. Shit. We've been going for an hour. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. We had a lot to say about Tacoma. Well, if you want to send us an email, you can send it to podcastabnormalmapping.com. Uh, send us questions about anything. We love answering questions. So please send us them. Uh, for sure. So I'm do you want to do you want to go from the bottom up? I'm going to go from the bottom up. So our first question is from uh, Riley Quinn. And it is, whereas most games in the walking simulator genre feature at most light puzzle elements in progressing the story, which stands out as a departure from what I uh, think may have been the point of Dear Esther, Tacoma seems to have made that act of watching recordings an interaction point by making you rewatch from different perspectives to get the full picture. Do you think this mechanic or similar ones is something that should become a mainstay of the genre, or is that just particular ones, this particular game's gimmick? Uh, I would play infinite games like this. <laughs> Yeah, so would I. I I don't think every walking simulator has to be this, but I would love more games like this. And the only one that's like even on the horizon is that uh what's it called? The like the journey of the Ungadin or whatever it's called, that black and white kind of uh apple but it looks like an Apple II game, but you can walk around it and that game's about like a mystery that happened on a ship and you can kind of rewind time to see where how people died and you piece it together, yeah. kind of like Tacoma. <laughs> um but who even knows with that game's coming out, right? Like, that's, like, a game that's been, like, a, like oh, someone's, wor- like, one man is working on this in a shed for, like, ten years now, it feels like. Yeah, that game's been coming forever. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it, it, that game's more about, like, because it's, like, you go recreate the moment of people's death, I believe, or something. Yeah. Um, yes. Or something like that. Uh, which isn't quite the same. Like, there's a very specific thing that Tacoma does that, if, if, if we're forgetting something and there is a game that does just this, please tell us, because we'd love to play it. <laughs> Yeah, um, but very few other games, none that I can think of, like do just this. And yeah, I, I don't think it's like all walking simulators should have this because obviously not. Like I actually think that it gets away from what that genre means. Um, like what people formerly thought that meant at first was like many different things. Like is it does it just mean Bioshock without shooting, which is what Gone Home was in a lot of ways, um, mm-hmm. or does it mean like Dear Esther, where you're walking through an environment as you're having like stories told to you? Uh, there's all different interpretations of it and i just think that there should be more uh games about communal spaces and like running through logs like this i'm totally fine with anyone stealing this mechanic it's too good i can like imagine like you talk to me like i want to see this in other games i don't need it to have a sci-fi gimmick and justification in the world it's fine yeah just oh in this game you rewind the conversations to see them again i don't need it to be like part of the story i don't need any of that i just want to be able to watch someone walk into a room and have a conversation and then follow where they were before they walked into the room yeah. <laughs> let me do that a lot it's good for sure um before we get to the next question is someone sawing in your house because there's no way this isn't going to be on the audio file um there's i don't know what's going on but something's going on outside I've, the window's shut it's the best i can someone in the next no no no. Is, i it's fine it's just uh been notab- notable enough that it was worth mentioning on the recording someone I must think. be setting up a fence or something it's really annoying uh-huh. um, uh apologies as jackson's living situation is under construction <laughs> no this bit is just permanent now or the, whatever they're doing next door. well i guess they're building houses outside but not yeah. today it's it's, yes. a, it's a sunday everyone's yeah. new here um uh okay. yes so next question from uh, ali coffee i'll do this one you sure 
Yeah. Um, I think of Tacoma often in the context of sequels and expectations. I was delighted with the game, and I have friends who felt let down by it. I believe the difference is I didn't want this to be the follow-up to Gone Home, a game I love with my entire heart, and I didn't need it to affect me the same way Gone Home did. When Tacoma to me was just a very nice walking sim with fun characters, it met everything I expected, and I liked it a lot. I think maybe it fell short of people's expectations because they expected different things. How does Tacoma exist in relation to Gone Home with you? How did your expectations of Tacoma taint your experience? Are there other games you can think of where opinions are divided because of how the preceding game sets expectations? Um, so, Gone Home is like a game that we both really liked a lot, right? Yes. Like you liked, yeah. Um, I don't think I want to ever go back and play Gone Home, though. <laughs> I don't think I would get anything out of it. I think I would just see the seams and be like, man, this game's really like three audio logs about some like uh, 101 gay feels and then it's out, right? I mean, yeah. And then you can go read, you can go search for some like hidden, mi- like it's a cool game. I bet it would still hold up better than you think. Um, Maybe. But I also don't understand what people are, th- like I completely don't get being let down by this because the stuff that this game does is just as good, if not better than like what is in Gone Home. Um, yeah, it has it has more thematic content across more axes that's delivered in I feel like a much more nuanced way. Like it's not like oh the big hammer reveal is like these characters were in love the entire time and then like a jangly like piano plays and everyone goes home happy. Like it's not quite that game, but it, it it's something else and it still kind of delivers on th- that same mood in a different way. It's like oh like everyone survived and now you're liberating this AI. The day is saved. We can fucking take it to the capitalist man a little bit, at least. <laughs> I don't know how that doesn't speak more to like the things people want in 2018 than like Gone Home did even in like 2015 or whenever that came out. Well, yeah, like, we're just talking about how like that stuff is. I, I think that um, the problem, the reason it wouldn't have landed as much is this thing that I have, which is that I really like the ending, but it didn't like emotionally land super hard. I was like, yeah, that's the end of the game. I wasn't like crying or anything for the AI. Um, mm-hmm. I, I entirely think that's the. Re- I think the reason people were disappointed in this game is that it didn't leave them like overwhelmed emotionally and completely. Whereas, destroyed. whereas I think I think the ending of Tacoma is like more affecting than Gone Home. Uh, I think of that in like um, abstract terms, but it just didn't hit me in the moment in the same way. No, both both times she gives that speech to Odin, I'm like welling up, like oh, it's so beautiful. That's what He's I want to go be. live free. That's really what I want to be because I think I, I entirely think that's the reason because the actual game is just really good and interesting, uh, yep. but people associate gone home with that final punch right um yep. and i bet the reason people didn't like it is nothing to do with the mechanics nothing to do with like what the game is but entirely because they didn't like leave that overwhelmed even though the game itself is more interesting and what it talks about is more relevant yeah um uh is there any other games that you think the expectations of the prior game capsized it um early early on in this show we talked about transistor which is a game that we had weird opinions about uh it's it's weird because i like transistor more than i like bastion but uh it's like it's not as good of a game it's really interesting because a lot of that because is because it surprised me given what bastion was Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think of the other what are the other big like second games uh the witness the witness is one um the Witness is maybe the biggest of them all, right? Yeah, like, I mean... Th- remember the discourse around The Witness? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He peed in a bottle, or did he? Uh, he did not. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> uh, he blocked me um, on Twitter, or did he? He did. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> did you add him? No, uh, I tweeted to no one when he was going off about how women um, 
oh like stem shouldn't like uh, do diversity hirings and bullshit uh the the best part of the witness was how quiet it is jonathan blow could learn a few things from himself (laughs) (laughs) good (laughs) i got blocked for that fair enough (laughs) didn't tag him yep uh, <laughs> uh, like I think, I think of Binding of Isaac as like a second game, even though it's technically not. It's that different. It's a weird no, situation. not even. Hmm, I get it, but yeah. But when when that game came out, it was like, oh, the guy what did Super Meat Boy, the one that matters because the art matters over the video game, is making a new video game. Uh, even though it, that's not necessarily the case, and also it's such a like now that's a weird statement because they've released a bunch of games nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> of like volume. Oh right, volume. That's a bad video game. I tried. To, ah, it's a shame. Volume should. Be I really good. wanted to like volume, yeah. but it's not good. That's um, a I think in the like I've, pantheon, whatever of the second games of like this era, where all the people that made uh, games that did fairly well uh, between two thousand eight and twenty thirteen have done a new one. Um, this one is one of like one of the best ones of those. And, uh, I mean, like, uh, Telltale suffers under multiple levels of these kind of expectations of follow-ups, right? Telltale, I am still waiting for the follow-up to their engine. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, uh, God, what's the name of The Walking Dead Walking Season Dead. 2? Not nearly as good as The Walking Dead Season 1. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to be so great. But then all the people who wrote it left. And then you're like, oh, maybe The Wolf Among Us will be the thing. It's kind of like The Walking Dead. It's based on a comic book. It's like gritty. And that's not as good. And then you're like, oh, Tales from the Borderlands. Who cares about this? The best game they've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, Guardians of the Galaxy, the game. You know. I stopped playing Telltale games, so I couldn't tell you anything about any of that. There's like two and a half seasons of Batman. Nobody cares. That's not true. Those are very successful and very popular. People like them. I don't care. You don't care. We are. Yep. We are nobody. <laughs> yep. Uh Okay. Next question. Uh, this question uh, comes from Cass, uh, which I'm just going to uh, summarize this, this question here. Uh, are walking sims exclusively a 3d genre if not uh what 2d games would you consider a walking sims uh, and then uh, at what point does two games stop being walking sims is mirror's edge not a walking sim what about mr the witness uh did you ever play a night in the woods by amy dentata it's a good walking sim. i i did but i don't remember a damn don't thing remember about damn it, thing about it yeah, either there's there's a couple other games cast drops that we're not going to mention because yeah, they're made by people we don't talk about on this show. <laughs> yeah. The only reason if you're listening cast, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I know like I don't know you can have 2D spatial exploration. Yeah, games. I like so we we already talked about Burn Bad, which is 2D, I guess technically, right? Uh, but also I think of that. What's that game, uh, Tandori or whatever, where you're walking through the desert? That's a walking sim. Mist is a walking simulator. So is the witness. Like we didn't have the language. Like people said, "Oh, Mist is an adventure game," and it's yes, it's an adventure game. But adventure games and walking simulators are only different in that walk- adventure games have puzzles. Yep. If you put a bunch of puzzles in your walking simulator, like you can't progress with the narrative until you solve a door lock puzzle. That's just a pu- adventure game at that point. Mm-hmm. That's all the difference is. Like the witness is totally that too. It it. In fact, it leans even harder into the walking simulator by being a beautiful space to move through. But even something like, uh, what's the game where you're a robot? Uh, the Talos Principle. That's that's a walking simulator on top of a puzzle game. Yep. 
like it's uh, just a like it's a weird thing because it was like originally a derisive term right the to in Illinois, yeah dunk on specifically at uh dear esther it's like oh it's a game where you just walk around a space and then stories delivered to you it's not a real video game lol um, uh and then people like us just embraced it as like yeah no it's a game where you just walk around and you don't have to play a stupid video game it's better than video games uh, <laughs> god remember back in the day remember walking simulators um, yeah and and then like the 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 truth of it is that like it's almost every game on some level like in a fucking video game where you shoot things you shoot things and then you walk around a space and have stories delivered to you like the, the often in a lot of video games uh, at the time especially before everything became like an rpg hell um the video game was about progressing through the space having story delivered to you and then the third module would be gun and it would be the least interesting module of the game uh, yeah and there's actually very little to separate um, what a walking simulator is from what, like, the proper games, quote-unquote, would use the derisive terms. Um, yeah. Because it comes from the same thing. Like, these, a lot of these games, especially Gone Home, came from Bioshock, and there's no difference there, really, except there's yeah, no like, enemies. Yeah, the immersive sim genre turned into walking simulators, as much as, like, adventure games turned into walking simulators. Yeah, there's, like, a very clear line there and very clear overlaps. Yeah, but like we think of like games, like we talk about the Mass Effect Citadel. That's just like a walking simulator with some light RPG elements over the top. You're just hanging out in a space, learning about the world, well, while the... while people give you dumb side quests. That's the thing I was gonna say is our towns walking simulators. <laughs> Sometimes, not always. I don't think every town's a walking simulator. When you think about like. Um, when you're going through Lindblum in Final Fantasy IX and you just get like the side stories of what everyone else is doing as the party split up, it's a hundred percent that. Yep. <laughs> Um, but, uh, by the same time, like the same token, like, I don't think necessarily that's true. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing in Midgar that's a walking simulator. Midgar's not a town. <laughs> it is. It's the, it is the town. It's not a, Midgar is not formally a town. Let's have a Final Fantasy VII argument. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's several towns in like neighborhoods of a city. It's like, even as boroughs, like it's the most town that's ever been in a video game. There's no towns in Final Fantasy VII until you leave Midgar. Yeah, I disagree. But, okay. <laughs> but um, God, totally derailed me. I was going to talk about other video games now, and yeah. now I can't remember what I was going to say. But you, you, no, it wasn't <laughs> even. A, it was from the other direction. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So now I'm never going to know. Bioshock. Not, oh, when I no, when I think about like the ways in which modern people, like people online, talk about like finding your own joy in a video game, when I think of like. I'm playing Assassin's Creed Origins as like a photo log with all of the like combat turned to as easy as possible. When you think of the way like uh, Danica Herod at Waypoint's like taking pictures of Destiny 2 and God of War, like Dia Lucina's whole thing about taking your pictures, putting on the prompto mode and letting photos of your adventures or even just like the appreciation of the food in Final Fantasy 15 guide what you gain out of the experience that comes out of walking simulators. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily comes out of them. I'd say like yeah, an but like they come idea. they come from the same idea yes, of like what accurate. what video game spaces do for you as like you play this because you enjoy the numbers going up and for some people that's not what they want they like and even like the lore is not enough. It's the feeling of engaging with this world space and that's the thing. Walking simulators have always been really good at is giving you a space to move through. Not even like a realistic or like that deep space, but it's putting you somewhere that you can enjoy aesthetically or emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of always been the hallmark of the genre. Yeah. 
We have one more question. We do have one more question. What was... This is from Hunter, by the way. Uh, what was your favorite bit of environmental storytelling in the game? Mine was the constructed queen bed in the Natalie and Burtman, because why would Venturus give them bigger beds? Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, also, walking simulator question. What improvements can you think of for the genre of the whole? Love the podcast, Hunter. So first... Um, We'll just do the walk simulator question first. I don't know. I don't know any improve. I don't think there's like broad improvements. I would. I think it's too broad a genre, right? Like it's just a, a term that got made up for doesn't have guns at a point, uh, and now it's um, like barely a term anyone uses in 20, uh, 2018. It's like a thing that we're talking about, like looking back at the way the stuff has changed. When I when I play a lot of itch walking simulators, the thing that strikes me is everyone needs to turn their movement speed way up, please. Well, that's true. Like, let me have a sprint that lets me move three times as fast. Like, I can walk if I want to take my time, but let me move through it faster, especially if you're creating, like, some of the more abstract lo-fi ones where it's like, here's an enormous space and we want to make it feel huge. And that just means I have to walk a long time, and that's not fun for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um because everybody builds these in Unity, and so it's the exact same walking profile for every single game. It's not, like, fun to move through the space, right? That's true. The, the games often feel very similar when they're like, yeah. like that. Um, but uh, outside of that, I, I don't know. Like, the problem becomes it's very hard for the people who make these to make the resources to go beyond, like, very simple Unity environments, right? Like, Tacoma cost so much money and took years and years and years to make and it's a game you play in like 90 minutes and you listen to some people talk in a room and you figure out some story and then it's out like it's not even that big of a game it's like four environments yeah Tacoma's tiny for how long it took and for whatever like yes. no wonder every game's a roguelike yeah like this is a waste of money you're throwing money down a pit you play it in 90 minutes you could trade this back to steam when you're done like it's a fucking waste of time uh the only reason you would do it is if you're like us oh, and like real like like that enough to you know throw your money at it i guess yeah um so yeah like as ever the problem with this stuff is like the budgetary concerns of the way the industry like what it rewards and what the audience in a wider sense wants because um, mm-hmm. these kind of like single just like really nice really uniquely constructed storytelling uh moments are they're not like that well valued because you basically go from like um something like tacoma uh, where that's an expensive for an indie game or you go to like uncharted 4 and that's the most expensive video game ever made like <laughs> the the amount it costs from across all boards on like, any level of video game to make a game that's focused on unique spaces that you explore eat, mm-hmm. you know is so ridiculous no it's why no one makes that game that's why everything's an rpg there's the reason this is the way it is and it sucks uh but that's a bigger problem than a design question yeah uh, but what was our favorite bit of environmental storytelling in the game what was yours shit i asked you uh the thing i like is the signs of clive and evie's cohabitation they both are the only people with cat beds for the cat in their room uh and clive's uh like vintage tea set that he got from his mom who's like a museum curator is in evie's apartment being used to drink yep. tea in yeah it's really good <laughs> Yep. Uh, I think for me, in a wider sense, because I was really mad, I was like actually mad at the Venturist Corporation for this, is the fact that everyone's room is a single habitation room in their area. Like, fuck off. Fuck this corporation so much. Oh, you mean you work in the lab that is yours. Like, you're right next door is your bed and everyone lives like literally like 10 minute travel apart. There's no communal room. You have to take lifts to go to anyone else's place. It's yes. terrible. It's one of the worst designed things on earth that you would only do it that way if you thought that like 
being on a crew with human beings was like worth zero dollars. It was, I'm I'm so furious at this corporation. (laughs) It's good. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. It's very funny. (laughs) Yeah, which is very clearly deliberate. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that might be one of my favorite. I also like the the zero G basketball. (laughs) Yes, it's very good. Uh, Natalie's notes everywhere are very good. Yes. Uh, Yeah. A lot of that stuff is great. There's a lot of, like, little touches of people just, like, ruining the perfect corporate structure with being human in a space. Yeah. Everyone's, like, the different amount of, like, uh, notes everyone has in the communal section. Yes. Pretty good. Yep. God, I'm so mad at how bad it is. Why is the communal section not in a central area? <laughs> no. No. You have to go to a separate area at the morning of the day in order to get your, like, fucking mail. Yep. <sighs> what a badly designed station. Ventura suck. I mean, they did try to kill everyone. Yeah, no, they're, they're ac- <laughs> they actually suck. That's just the facts. Um, yeah. So, I guess, the, like, we've gone on longer than we expected, but, like, the wider stuff we want to talk about is just the way... <laughs> yeah, I know, We're right? not going to do any of this. We're done here. We're just done? <laughs> I think we're done. All right, we're just done. Well, the fuck you. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I mean, like, we're going to talk about broader walking sins, but honestly, I feel like we covered a lot of it in talking about what makes this game good and the other aspects of these this type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's just, like, what's your favorite other walking sims? I mean, you don't even need to give a numbered list, just things that top off, your, off the top of your head. Like Edith Finch. Yep. Firewatch, I guess. If that barely counts at this point, but Firewatch would be one of them. Firewatch counts, I think. There's there's like only one or two things that would constitute puzzles in Firewatch. I think it's just one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those are the two for me. Yeah, I uh, I like Burn Band a lot. I like those two you named. Oh, I like Eidolon so a lot. Eidolon barely has a game around it outside of some light survival elements. Um, Speaking of Idle Thumbs classics. <laughs> yep. Um gosh uh i like uh everyone's gone to the rapture i think that game's really good yeah it's not dissimilar to this in ways like if they had if this had come out in different order uh everyone's gone to the rapture could really use like the conversation system that tacoma thought of yeah i immediately like one of my first reactions after this game was like imagine if this game if this system was in everybody's gone to the rapture i think that might fix that game because i like that game a lot but it definitely feels static in a way that is sometimes intentional as you walk through this very still world that has already ended uh yes and sometimes is just to kind of like you have to stand still as you watch the like you literally stand yeah. still and watch ghosts react scenes like yeah and th- those scenes would be much better if they were a little more like available to be a little more dynamic and clearly they just didn't have the resources or means because oh, yeah you could imagine that game with like a slightly smaller environment was a bit more interconnected as they played the scenes out that mm-hmm. worked very similarly to this um you know i also highly recommend soma in safe mode as one of these yes i've never played it but i have like watched the ending and stuff it seems very cool it's that that's a great game all around uh full of great ideas and when you don't have to fight things or like worry about being injured it's a much better game mm-hmm. uh but yeah play walking sims just go to like itch and look up uh well i they probably have a tag for walking sims i did not do my research here but i'm sure that exists they do good i should play some I think they do. I also haven't done my research. I just said that confidently. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So if you want to send us questions, you can do so at podcastandrollmapping.com. The next episode will be our soundtrack one. We won't really have, uh, we probably won't really take questions for that one. But uh, the month after that, Jackson, what are we playing? Next month, we are playing Final Fantasy 
It... Uh, you can get that on PS3, PS4, Vita, Steam. PS2. I guess, if you really want to. Do it. Put it in. Put the PS2 game in. Uh, no one's stopping you, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I started it last night, so I'm having a great time. You said some beautiful screenshots. Yep, it has uh, it has all of the shortcut features that ten uh, finally ten's PC release had also. So please enjoy those if you need to. I sh- I will be enjoying those. <laughs> Give yourself uh, unlimited gill. Set yourself in overdrive mode where you just like tear through battles. Are you, you, know, are you doing like that, that already? No, um, but it's there for when I'm ready to. Yeah, I'm gonna play it as a real RPG for as long as I want to. Yeah, uh, this game is like again I've played before, so for me it's like returning. So I'm probably I probably will before too long, but. Mm-hmm. Once the game stops being about, like... The interesting thing about this one is there isn't a give yourself all the dress spheres option. Oh, weird. Sadly. Uh, which I wish there was. Uh, but that's all right. It's fine. Well, thank you very much for listening. You can find the other podcasts we do at abnormalmapping.com, including Second Officer Slog, a Star Trek podcast. Uh, that me and M do. It's about Star Trek books. We are about to get back to our DS9 read this month at some point. Yeah, uh, I would like to plug specifically repertory screenings at repertoryscreenings.com, which is me and Kyle Turner, who is a actual film critic writing for movies websites online, um, used to be part of Trash Trek Ratio, the movie podcast we all did. Me and Kyle brought it back. Uh, episode one is out now. It is about uh, Cabaret and Spectre. I thought it was a really good episode, so I still have uh, please, please, yeah, no, please listen and enjoy. Um, you know, support the new shows. Uh, if you go to our website, we are like the Patreon. We have new writing about like what the Patreon is. All of our shows, uh, we're hosting. We're we're technically not at the goal to host other people's shows, but look, if you send us an email with a good show idea, we're gonna put it on the fucking. We're website. six dollars away from the goal. <laughs> yeah, we went. I'm down not really worried about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> we are of course Patreon supported. patreoncom mapping. A uh, variety of tiers. For $1, you get the Great Gundam Project. We just recorded before this. It's really good. These are getting, like, Great Gundam Project has become almost an hour-long show these <laughs> last few weeks. And we got to do VoIP Life on top of that. Yeah, so at $5, you get writing from me and Jackson. Jackson's letter is, uh, will be out midweek this week. We're recording on Sunday because it's going to be about E3 stuff. Uh, E3 so far has been really bad, but Microsoft's today. Maybe they'll get me to buy a Game Pass by putting Halo on the computer. Okay, so first of all, E3 has been really bad. Is a like That is a true statement, you know, that I assume will be true. But I don't think you can say that after like EA's regular hour-long disaster hour for like every year. Just because it's been bad for five years doesn't mean it's not bad this year, Jackson. It is bad this year. It sure was. God, what a terrible thing. Anyway. Uh, yeah, um, and for $10, you get uh, VoIP Life, which is me and Jackson's new kind of low-key, goofy show. People said they wanted more tangents and bullshit. Well, guess what? We got you tangents and bullshit. Comes out every two weeks. Last episode, we talked about Star Wars, Star Trek, Firefly, The Matrix, uh <laughs> Stargate. And Stargate, uh, all like independent of each other. We didn't even mean to talk about those things. Oh god, we're the worst human beings who've ever lived. <laughs> if you want our uh, ill-informed opinions of sci-fi that isn't Star Trek or Star Wars, which we're experts on, obviously. <laughs> which I yeah, uh, obviously. Please listen for $10 a month. Uh, $20, of course, gets you on one of these shows. We'll have guests in the future. We're working on that stuff. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with Soundtrack and in July with Final Fantasy uh, that's it. We're done. Let's go home. Let's watch Microsoft talk about video games. What video games do they have? None of them. Strange.